0: This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Rava. Praise God, I trust that you are ready for the word today. And so here is the title of our message this morning How Understanding the Nature of God's Grace Makes the Difference in our lives so look at that real carefully because that's what we're going to talk to you about that's what i'd like to talk to you about share with you show us some scripture and just let the holy spirit lead and guide us today it is so important to understand the nature of god's grace because when we do understand it it does make all the difference in our lives now you know sometimes we can become so familiar with something that we forget its value, or even more importantly, we forget its nature in our lives. And I mean, I can give you a number of examples, but that's a fact. It's sometimes it's so easy when, we, when we're used to something, when we're used to hearing something, especially when it comes to the gospel, we, so, we get so used to hearing something, that sometimes, you know, we just become so familiar with it, we forget its value in our lives, and also, like I said, we forget its nature in our lives. And so, <clears throat> I want to take a moment or just take a while today, not a moment more than that. I want to take some time today to talk to you and remind you about the nature of God's grace, specifically in your life. Because the fact of the matter is, is, is that, you know, we can be hearing the gospel truth, the gospel of grace all along. And we become so familiar with it that at some point we kind of lose sight or we forget the nature of God's grace in our lives. And God's grace is just amazing. And more specifically today, I want to talk to you about or share with you about the generous nature of God's grace. You know, not every doctrine that is out there about the grace of God portrays the grace of God like Scripture says we should, like God says we should. You'll hear them say, you know, God's grace is His unmerited favor. But then at the same time, they will bring in a message within that message of how we need to earn merit and through our human effort and religious performance, how we need to earn and deserve things From God, His favor ultimately. And so doing that, oftentimes, you know, the nature of God's grace gets blurry and we no longer see it like we should. And I'm not claiming that we've arrived, but we want to keep it crystal clear in our lives. Amen. So let's begin by looking at Romans chapter 8 verse 32. And we're reading from the New King James today. Notice it says, this is talking about God about Jesus and us as believers. It says he that's God who did not spare his own son that's Jesus but delivered him up for us all. Look at that. Watch us now. How shall he that's God not with him that's Jesus also watch us freely give us all things? So look at that real carefully. What God in essence is saying, the message that is being portrayed to us there, carried across to us there, is is that God spared nothing in redeeming us. He gave His own Son. He gave it His all. He gave His best, if you will. He gave it all to redeem us. And then it says there, in doing that, if He gave His all, if he gave, he didn't even spare his own son. If he gave all of that and he gave his best and he gave his everything, how will he not also give us anything else beyond that? But notice more importantly, it says freely give us all things. Now, when God gave Jesus, he gave us his best. That's one thing we see right there. And if he's given us his best, It says, why would He withhold anything else from us? And you know, that's something that we need to be reminded of because that is part of the nature of the grace of God. God's grace doesn't prevent Him, if you will, if I can put it that way, from withholding anything else from us. If it is unmerited favor, if we cannot earn or deserve any of it, then why would God withhold anything? anything. And you know, at times I think we question things. You know, when things happen in our lives, we question, why is God withholding healing from me? Why is He withholding, you know, prosperity, financial prosperity from me? Why is He withholding this and that from me? And you know, it's not always God that does that. But I assure you, and I'm not saying that (laughs) He always wants us blessed. He provided every avenue for us to be blessed but we live in a fallen world and sometimes our own decisions get in the way but even so god's grace remains abundant it remains generous and it is there for us amen and notice that it says that he freely gave us all things so god gave us all that we would ever need not only to be redeemed right but also to live victorious in our redemption, in Jesus. Because if you read the context of Romans 8.32, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about God giving His Son, Jesus, His best, His all, to redeem us. And then giving us freely all things that we would need to continue victorious in that redemption in Jesus. In other words, when we face sin, we'd be victorious. When we face temptation, we'd be victorious. When we mess up, we would be victorious because it is on the basis of what He did for us by His grace. That's how generous His grace is. We're just touching on the tip of the iceberg there, and I'm going to get into that a little bit more. And so God gave it all to us outside of our human effort or religious performance. Because notice in that verse again, it didn't say, He gave His Son because you deserved it or because you did something. It doesn't say, and also He gave you all things because you performed well or when you perform well. It doesn't say any of that. And again, the context shows us of that verse that He gave it all outside of our human effort, our religious performance. In other words, He gave it to us by His grace. And I mean, that grace is generous. Now, Let's go back to that verse. I want to show you something else that we saw there. Notice it says there, With him also freely give us all things. In other words, he gave and he continues to give and he will always give. And it's, a, it's in a perpetual tense, in an, an ongoing tense. But notice that word, those two words, freely give. I want to show you the meaning of that word from the original. Now, In English it's two words but in the original it's actually one word it's give that's how the English translation put it but in the original it's actually a very different word which best translated I guess could be freely give but let me show you that word in the original we're going to look at it from the helps word studies uh, dictionary the lexicon So, it's the word give, which most English translations translate freely give, because you'll see why now in a moment. There's the number, and it's the word charizomai. Now, some lexicons put an X, some put a CH. You pronounce it the same way, charizomai. Now, look at the meaning. It says that it comes from, and there's the number there, it's the word chariz. So, it's really talking about grace more than it's talking about giving. But the reason why it's translated as freely give, because it's in the sense and in the context of giving outside one's merit or performance. And you'll see that in a moment. So let's carry on reading the meaning. It says that it means grace extending favor. Properly, in other words, properly translated in the way that it's used in Romans 8.32, is to extend favor, that is grace. Freely give favor to grant forgiveness or pardon. So you can see that it has to do with our redemption. So not only did He give His Son to redeem us, but He gave us all things freely that we would need to remain redeemed and continue enjoying our redemption. Then it also says that it means favor that cancels. Look at that. Now remember I said to you it's in the ongoing tense. So it's not favor that canceled or favor that will cancel, although it includes all of that. But more specifically, it is favor that continues canceling. You see, that's where we see the generosity of grace right there. Favor that cancels is used of God giving His grace to pardon. This is freely done and therefore not based on any merit of the one receiving the forgiveness. There it is. Literally, it means... To exercise grace, freely show favor, that is, willingly, graciously bestow. Okay, so that is a mouthful that we see right there. But I want to make sure that you understand that what this is talking about is in the context of our redemption. So God didn't even spare His own Son to redeem us. And when He gave Him to us to be redeemed, He also freely gave us all things that we would need to remain redeemed. I mean, can you imagine that? Someone saving you and then providing for you to remain saved no matter what you faced in life. In other words, the efficacy or the power of this redemption is so superfluous, so generous that our minds cannot even understand it. And you know, religion will try and stamp us down. Guilt, shame, and condemnation will try and get in the way and tell us, well, you see, maybe you don't just you don't qualify so much for God's favor. But this whole message here shows us that his favor, his grace extends beyond any of that. Because it it actually says it's not on the basis of your performance, your merit, as I've shown you. And so you'll see we're going somewhere there, because I want to set the stage for what I want to share with you today. And so Another way that we could put Romans 8.32 is in an acrostic of grace. And I'll show you what I mean in a moment. And I'm sure you've heard this shared before. Other preachers have shared it before. And I may have said it before. But in actual fact, you could summarize Romans 8.32 with the word grace. And put it, you know, written down. And here's what you can put by each word. So look at it real carefully. It's coming up on the screen. This is in essence the message of Romans 8.32. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's the acrostic for grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's in essence what Romans 8.32 is telling us. This is that God didn't spare His Son. He sent Him to us and then He freely, freely gave us all things that we would need to stay redeemed. So He gave us His riches at the expense of His Son, Jesus. That's what that's saying. It's pretty powerful. And so God gave us His all in Jesus. He withheld nothing. That's something else that we see in that verse. That's the other message that God is bringing across to us. And so what we see there too is is that everything in the new covenant is a gift from God. Because it says He gave it to us freely right? So it's all a gift from God. So whatever you see in the new covenant, it's all given to you as a gift from God. There is absolutely nothing that has to be earned or that can be deserved. Praise God for that. That is the nature of God's grace. But more than that, it is the generous nature of God's grace. And that's what I want to dig into today the generous part of God's grace, just how superfluous it is, because it truly, truly is. And so this is why understanding the generous nature of God's grace makes the difference in our lives. And you know, when I was preparing, thinking about that, (laughs) Proverbs 19, verse 6 came to mind. And I thought, this is so true. When we understand just how generous God is with His grace, just how generous the grace of God is, It reminds me of this verse. Look at this. Proverbs 19, verse 6 from the New King James. It says, Many entreat the favor of the nobility. In other words, many people try and, you know, get close to those in possession, get close to those who can somehow influence and bless their lives. But look at the second part. And every man, every person that is, is a friend to the one who gives gifts. So, what i want to focus on here in the context of what i'm talking to you about is is that you know anyone who is a giver and specifically one who gives you gifts in other words without condition without requirement well they certainly will be your friend i mean oftentimes we do that when we try to you know get close to someone or the people that we are close to, that's how we bless them. We give them birthday gifts, we give them this gift, we give them that gift. You know, when we travel, we bring little souvenirs and we bring one for them because we know what they're like. And so what is being conveyed in that portion is, is that every person is a friend to the one who gives gifts. Now, this is how I'm relating that to what I'm sharing with you today. Unless we see God as a giver... Unless we see God as a generous giver, unless we see the grace of God as generous in our lives, we're not going to draw close to Him and want to be friends with Him, if you will, if I can put it that way, you know, be the friend of God. It is only when you know, when you realize how generous God is, is that you want to be close to Him. And you see, that's something that we need to preach boldly. That's something that we need to share with the world. We need to remind ourselves of. This is that God is generous and He's a giver. I've just shown you what He's done. He sent His Son, His own Son to redeem you. And of course, I'm including myself in that. But more than that, He also freely gave you in Him and through the finished work of the cross, everything that you will ever need to live and continue being redeemed and live a redeemed, victorious life. And so when you realize how much He's given you through His grace, how generous it is, doesn't that motivate you and make you want to be close to Him and get close to Him? I mean, you are close to Him. He lives in you, but I'm talking about relating to Him as a person. Of course, absolutely so. I mean, who wants to be close to someone who's not generous? Imagine that you are barely making it by... And you need, you know, you're hungry and you see someone who has food and they have a little extra food, but they don't share with you. I mean, are you going to go back there and go visit with them again so you can watch them eat and watch them store up what they have as a surplus? Of course not. We are naturally drawn to those who have a generous heart, a generous spirit. And this is exactly the effect that it has. When we understand how generous God's grace is, we draw close to it. We want more of it. We want to keep enjoying the nature of the wonderful grace of God. Amen. And so, I love the way Romans 12 verse 3 is put in the message translation. He says, and this is Paul, of course, writing inspired by the Holy Spirit. I am speaking to you out of deep gratitude, For all that God has given me. See, when we realize just how much God has given us, we don't just have thankfulness, just gratitude, but deep gratitude. Amen. And especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. So Paul is saying, I am deeply grateful to God for what He has given me to enable to minister to you. In other words, His heart is for you. Living then, as every one of you does, watch this, in pure grace, it's important that you not misrepresent yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. So he is reminding them about living in pure grace. And he says, don't ever misrepresent it by thinking that you've done something to be in that pure grace, that you have done something to get there. Then he says, watch this, no, God brings it all to you, all of it, every single bit of it. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what God does for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. See that? It is so powerful. I mean, I, I got stuck on this one. I wanted to keep reading it and meditating it. And, you know, yeah, you can go look at a direct translation, but at the end of the day, when you look at the original, it is really truly saying the same thing. And at the end of the day, what we see with this is, is that what we need to understand, and this is what Paul is conveying here, just how generous the grace of God is to the point where it enabled him to be a minister to those that he ministered to, but also... To live in pure grace and cause them to live in pure grace. In other words, not all forms of grace we live in is pure grace. If there's a mixture of law and grace, if there's a bit of law there, it's not pure grace. And God's heart is for us to live in pure grace. And then so Paul says the way that you're going to the way that you live in that pure grace, the way that you stay in that pure grace is when you realize that God gave it all to you. God placed you there. There is absolutely nothing that you have done that you can do that you ever will do that can get you any more than what you are already in Jesus and what God has done to provide that for you. It's pretty powerful. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, it's awesome. I love the way that last part puts it. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. Powerful, powerful stuff. You see, it's when we realize how generous and extravagant God's grace is, that is when we realize how blessed and thankful we should be. Amen? Praise God for His wonderful, wonderful grace. If we really want to have a good understanding of God, we need to understand how generous His grace is toward us. If anything, it's one of the things we really need to understand. Now, I want to show you something here this uh, from a portion that we're familiar with. But oftentimes, you'll find in Christendom, most believers put the emphasis on the wrong part. And because they put the emphasis on the wrong part, <clears throat> they have a tendency to measure themselves by that first what they see as the first part. But I want to show you something today about the generosity of God's grace, even going back to the Garden of Eden. Watch this. Genesis 2, verse 15 to 17. This is talking about Adam and Eve. And remember, I'm about to show you an often missed aspect of what people understand from this portion. It says there, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God, watch this, commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Doesn't that sound like gracious provision? The generosity of grace? I mean, what did did Adam do to earn or deserve it? God just put him there and he said, keep it. It'll keep you busy, but you can have any of it, right? Then it says in verse 17, and this is the part most people focus on. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now let's leave that there for a moment, because I want to ask you a question. When you take what we have just read, and you ask the average believer, what was God's first command or commandment to Adam? Most people will say, the very first command or commandment God made to Adam was is that of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, He must not eat. But is that the first command that God gave Adam? Looking at it there. Is it? No. (laughs) Look at it carefully. God's very first commandment to Adam was this. Of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. (laughs) There's so much in there. Anyway, it's pretty awesome. So let me talk to you a little bit about that. That is so awesome. Just, you know, when I saw that, it's so, so I've read this so many times. But at some point, I, I got this revelation and I saw this and I thought, hold on a minute. I always used to think that God's first commandment to Adam was not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the fact of the matter is, is that his first commandment was that he should actually eat freely from every other tree in the garden. And so the point is, I mean, you may say, well, what is your point? What are you trying to say with that? God first expressed His generosity before He expressed His warning to Adam. Isn't that so? By telling him to freely eat from every tree except for that one and make that His first commandment. What God was doing is really expressing His generosity to Adam, how generous His grace is, His provision is, before actually expressing his warning to Adam. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, it's pretty powerful. And so, here's my point. If Adam and Eve focused on the, you may freely eat part, or the first commandment, they would have had no desire for the, you shall not eat part of the garden. Isn't that true? Think about that. I'm going to say that again. If Adam and Eve focused on the you-may-freely-eat part more than they did on the you-shall-not-eat part, they would not have had an issue. Isn't that so? I mean, and when you think about it, in everything that I've shared with you so far, that's the ultimate point that I'm trying to make to us today. That's how we best relate to God and His grace. When we focus on what He has freely given to us, more than all the thou shalt nots that he's given us. Are you with me? Praise God. You see, so when we focus on the generous nature of God's grace, we will be too full to desire anything else. I mean, just think about Adam and Eve. If they had focused on the you shall freely eat part, and went and ate from every tree that was available to them, They would have been satisfied. They would have been full. That by the time they got to the tree that they should not eat from, they would have looked at it and had no issue in saying, no thanks, none of that, thank you, no thank you, right? They would have been so full. And that's what I'm trying to see. See, That's what I see a type and shadow message for us here today. When we understand just how generous God's grace is, and we focus on the you may freely eat because He's given us all things freely to enjoy. If we focus on the free and the giving and the generosity of all that God has provided for us in and through Jesus, we will be too full to entertain anything else, to allow anything else to try and tempt us and pull us away from where we are in Jesus. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, that is the extent of the generosity of the grace of God. And that's what we need to be rooted and grounded in. I'm sure you agree. Amen. You see, when we are full of what God has given us freely, we will have no appetite for anything else. Amen. Now think about that for a moment, because there's a whole different message in that. When we are full of what God has given us freely, we will have no appetite for anything else meaning that we will unintentionally live in holiness. So, you know, there's people that are trying to be holy, that are fighting, that are striving, but if we just freely eat from what all that God has given us, freely partake of the generosity of His grace, we will unintentionally live a holy life because we'll be full of it. We're not going to desire or have an appetite for anything else. It's because sometimes we're not full of what God has freely given to us in and through Jesus, that we begin to look for the thou shalt nots. And we begin to think that maybe that takes precedence over the eat freely command. Are you with me? I trust that I'm making sense in all that I'm saying. And so to bring this point across, I want to share an example that Jesus shared. And actually it was a real life situation that Jesus spoke about and he shared with us in the Gospel of Luke, the book of Luke. And so this, we're going to read the whole account. So it's a little bit lengthy, but just stay with me on the screen, okay? And just listen, because you'll see that it's going to help us understand the truth of what I've just shared with you. When we focus on what God has given us freely, which is the first command, then we will be full, we will be satisfied, and we will have no appetite for all the Thou shalt nots, and don't do this, and merit and performance. We will live in the freedom of the generosity of the grace of God. I trust that I'm doing this message justice because it's just so bubbling inside of me. There's just so much that I want to share, but I know it's going to take more time. And I know this could easily be another series. And so let's have a look at this account. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. Now you're going to see everything that I've shared with you so far in some way or another. You're going to see it come into play now. That will help us understand and appreciate um, the heart of the generosity of God's grace. Watch this. Luke 7 verse 36 to 50. It says, One of the Pharisees, that's a religious leader, legalistic religious leader, as you know. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When... A certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there. She bought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. One of the other accounts tells us that it was worth a year's wages. So this was expensive stuff, right? Verse 38. Then she knelt behind him at his feet. That's Jesus. Weeping her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Can you imagine what that looked like? This woman wasn't trying to be weird with Jesus. She wasn't trying to live up to her profession that she was in because she was an immoral woman, probably a prostitute. But she had heard the good news. She had heard about the generosity of God's grace. And this was her response. She was now focused on what God had given her freely and not on the thou shalt nots. And you'll see the Pharisee tries to pull her into the second commandment, thou shalt not. And he tries to pull Jesus into that because he that's where he was living. And Jesus maintains What God has given freely. He maintains the generosity of the freedom of grace and watch how that woman's life is changed. So let's continue reading. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, so he's thinking, he he didn't say these words. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman is touching him. She's a sinner. (laughs) I mean, you talk about legalistic at core. This was him, right? And so watch what happens in verse 40. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. So Jesus knew what the man was thinking and he answered him. Can you imagine that? So the man's questioning whether he's really a prophet. But here he comes and he answers his thoughts. I mean, that must have knocked that thought out of his mind. <laughs> then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Now his life is about to be changed, hopefully. But certainly everyone else was, and specifically this woman. Watches out verse 41. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to the one and 50 pieces to the other. Look at the ratio. 500 and 50. Okay? But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both. See, he's talking about grace and the generosity of God's grace. He kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. In other words, the one who owed 500 would love him more because his debt was bigger. The consequence was larger, right? And Jesus says, you're right. In other words, the more generosity is expressed, but not just generosity, the more grace, the more generosity of grace is expressed, the greater the appreciation. It's like I said to you, you know, you're friends with someone who's a giver. I mean, it draws us to God when you see how generous He is, His grace is, right? So we see all of this into, coming to play here. And so let's continue with verse 44. Then He turned to the woman and said to Simon... But she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. In other words, what you should have done as the self-righteous leader, she's actually doing. Why? Because she's focused on what she's given freely, not what she should not. See that? See how the heart of the generosity of grace has been understood by her and how he lacks it? You see, that's what legalism does to people. It steals away the understanding of the generosity of God's grace. They become self-righteous. They become judgmental, not realizing that they themselves are missing out, but they're also causing those that they influence to miss out. And so watch as Jesus continues here. Where were we? In verse um, 46, right? 47, okay. I tell you, her sins, (laughs) and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. Look at that. Because she experienced the generosity of God's grace, she has shown much love. See, everything that I shared with you earlier coming into play here. But a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. or let me rephrase that in the context of what I'm sharing with you today. Someone who lacks understanding of the generosity of God's grace, how generous the nature of God's grace is, one really appreciate it and show little love for God. See that? 48. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. There it is. The generous nature of God's grace. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In other words, what you have chosen to believe about the generous nature of God's grace has saved you. Go now and be at peace. Isn't that awesome? So right there in a nutshell, in that account, we see what I've shared with you today. Just how wonderful and generous the nature of God is. How wonderful it is for us to understand and to know and to remain and to continue living In the generous nature of God's grace. Amen. And you know I can tell you. This fallen body that we live in. This sin aspect of creation. It will always try and tear us down. It will always try and make us feel guilt, shame and condemnation. There's always going to be something that we should have done that we didn't do, that we failed to do, that we failed to say, that we failed to hear, that we failed us. There's always life, this fallen life, bombards us with all these things. It bombards us with all the thou shalt nots. But if we just learn to focus on what God has given us freely and get full of all of that, we will have no appetite for anything else. We will not entertain anything else. We will not engage in anything else. Amen. And so I want to remind you of that today. Live with a wonderful understanding. Live in the wonderful nature, generous nature of the grace of God. Amen. I mean, when you look at that account, the woman chose to focus on what God gave her freely. The Pharisee chose to focus on what he should not and he was trying to get her and Jesus to focus on the, what they should not, right? But her and Jesus focused on what God had given her freely. Amen? And let me ask you, out of the Pharisee and the woman, which experienced the generous nature of God's grace? I mean, it's pretty obvious. The woman did. Amen? And that's what God wants for us. You see, when we focus on what God has given us freely, by His grace, by the generosity of His grace, we too will be full and have no appetite for anything else. Amen. And that is the generous nature of God's grace and how it will continue to make a difference in our lives. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or... To make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.